Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Casual Conversations with Comic Creators. So for those that don't know, this is the Maya Matter show where each month I speak to a different comic creator about their journey and what goes into the craft of making comics. And then I make mental notes and do the thing uh, later. So <laughs> the whole idea of this is to showcase the human being behind the art form as we discover each person's story. I am the Maya Matter co-founder, Nigel, and I have not muted myself because that's a thing that I tend to do, but we're, we're not muted. We're, we're all good. And I'm talking to Lara Callan, a London-based comic creator. Hello. And, oh, uh, hello. So I was doing my intro <laughs> thing, but uh, hello, oh, I'm how sorry. are you? Oh. No, no, it's all right. I'm oh, going to oh. pause the intro <laughs> to see how you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just so excited to pop in. Yes. I knew I should have been off screen and then popped in afterwards. In, yeah, just, <laughs> no, carry, like, on, carry on, carry everyone. on, Don't cool. mind me, okay. everyone. Just... <laughs> She's just, it's, it's about you anyway, so uh, we need to hear from you. <laughs> Sorry. But I was going to tell everyone a bit about you. I was going to say that you're a London-based comic creator and member of the Whips comic group. You've got two books available at the moment. Well, technically you've got, well, actually we'll get to that, but you've got two <laughs> books available for sale at the moment, Reapers and mm. Who Can Replace a Man. So you've also featured in the Whip Group Anthology for five times, I've got down. Is that a record? Yes. Yeah, it'll be six, yeah, but there are five okay. physical books, yeah. Five physical, okay, cool. We'll, we'll right. get into that. So I'm going to pretend that you didn't pop into my intro <laughs> earlier and say, hello, how are you? <laughs> hello. I'm doing really good, thanks. So thanks for having me. This is, yeah, it's so fun to just catch up with you, Nigel. And yeah, just catch up with what you're doing as well and share a little bit about what I'm doing and what our group is doing. Really good opportunity. Excite me. Yeah, and this is a bit of a special episode, well, according to Twitch. So it is an anniversary, I think it's the, the two-year anniversary of Maya Mada becoming a Twitch affiliate. So that's something. So we're here. I, I was reminded of this, and I thought um, a good guest to get on for this anniversary episode would be Lara, because people won't know, uh, because that episode was the episode zero but the whole idea of the casual conversations came because uh, i needed to get one more stream in to reach affiliate and uh, i messaged lara uh, we talked on stream about serious through the fog because at the time we had just done our kickstarter or just released a book uh, just randomly no plan no structure no nothing and uh, <laughs> oh, we made it yes that's how, oh, how the greats work yeah <laughs> <laughs> So we did that, and then that stream took us to affiliate status. So thank you for that. But it was a good conversation. So I thought this is a, a cool format, just a more relaxed format. It's easier for me because I don't need to prepare a whole bunch of notes as I do for our podcast interviews. So I kept doing it. And 19 episodes later, we're back. Got Lara back again. So that's the <laughs> origin story for this episode. So we're going to be here over the next hour. And we're going to be talking about Lara, basically, that's the, the top line of it, and see where the conversation goes. So I think that's all the notes I've got for now. Let's get into this. How's it going, Lara? How's it going? Okay, so I think it's, um, it's it, this is a really kind of pinnacle time of the year. And as you know as well, that we're coming up the Thought Bubble. So for me... The biggest event on my calendar immediately is going to be the Thought Bubble Festival, which is coming up. And for those of you who aren't familiar, Thought Bubble is 
I think it's the biggest independent comic creator, independent comic creator festival in the UK. One of the biggest in the world. We're we're talking, what, over 400 exhibitors, all small press or independent creators. So you're tabling yourself and there's a lot of prep that goes into it. it can be kind of overwhelming. It can be overwhelming from the from the perspective of behind the table selling, yeah. which is what we'll be doing with my group, Whip Comics, and even from the buyer. So if you go as a punter, as a pleb, <laughs> as a member of the public, <laughs> is that what we call them? Um, no, but okay, if you go as like a just a, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm the next person just, that comes to my table, I'm going to say hello, hello, pleb. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you go as a punter. If you guys are a member of the public, it can be completely overwhelming. And we always say, so as so Whip Comics, maybe I'll just give a little bit about that as well. So we're going as Whip Comics and we're a comic collective based. Well, we used to be based primarily out of London, but then since the pandemic, we've branched out to a more online community. So we're just a whole hub of creative people who get together once and twice a month. Once because we meet to share ideas and then the second time when we meet in the month, it's more kind of an educational drop-in session where we have a speaker who talks to us a bit more about the process. So the whole community of, of the group is to try and support people who are making comments themselves. And then at the festivals we go to, so Thought Bubble being probably the biggest one, we'll then sell everyone who, or anyone who's part of the group can can have their book on our table. So the the, the whole table is kind of representative of of our total group together and so you know there's a lot of of work that goes into collecting people's books and you know people want to be able to sell but i often have to tell people the festival is so big that as a punter you can go around and you could completely miss tables if you're not if you're not being beady on the eye you know you have to really 400 exhibitors is overwhelming so it's just a lot of prep and that's it's intense yeah and i think you know, it's going to be Saturday and Sunday, so we're arriving on the Friday to prepare, and it's just going to. But also, it's it's so much fun. It's the same sort of fun that um that comes with big creative projects in general. You put the hard work in, and then you have fun. It's also like you know social events. I see Nigel there, and <laughs> you see everyone else there that from the small press scene. It's just it's like it's like an event, and, and it's so nice. We we often feel that. After Thought Bubble, we have quite a few new members that come to the group because okay, it's other so people who I own. It's not that <laughs> specifically, but I think it gets our group out there to people who would otherwise not know that the group exists. And then, of course, you know, making comics is quite solitary. Personally, I I appreciated the group when I first started because I'm definitely a person who needs to bounce ideas. Some people aren't. But, you know, there's so much benefit in trying, especially as a new creator, when I hadn't made a book before, I got a lot of value in talking to people who were more experienced than me, who were quite supportive, constructive criticism where I needed it, and that sort of thing. So we're just all, the the goal of the group is to try and get every single person to follow their creative dream and make comics and then Thought Bubble and the other festivals, but Thought Bubble is the biggest one, we sell it. And then, of course, the big big ticket item for us this year was our Kickstarter. So I've got the book here, and we'll be debuting that for sale to the public on at the, at the weekend as well. So it's a big 
it's going to be yeah so when you ask me how i am that's that's the that's, main that's thing that's been going driving us yeah I that's, get that. that's guys i'm going to be packing for it tonight and we just need to sort of make sure we're ready and i've been quite a few times now both as a, a pleb myself a punter <laughs> and as, as a seller and it's kind of it's just always so much fun and it gets bigger every year and it's just it, i just have i love i love going how many times have you been now oh i don't know <laughs> so I okay so so a lot so it's based in harrogate but it used to be based in leeds and i went to two of the leeds so i think that might be okay. five years but i always i forget because the pandemic there wasn't one yeah i know i but might be the same because like, no. i can't remember i think i might have done two in leeds and then whatever number <laughs> afterwards um but yeah you forget because i was i recently went to the moto comic con that i got back last yes, week i was gonna ask you yeah how was it yeah uh, it was good it, it was needed as a nice sort of i almost treat it as a break away from things and it's because it's been a pretty intense uh few months actually so uh, it's nice to get like some sun in what end of october um and that one in particular is like a really cool people from different countries and because it's quite close to italy you get of Italian creators, but just people from uh, across Europe, and yeah, it's, just, it's a it's a nice feel to it. It's very much a, an outing. So like everyone stays at the same hotel, or most people stay at the same hotel. They pick you up and take you to the convention for the two days. Yeah, people hang out uh, afterwards, and then they take you on a, a little, not quite a tour, but they take you to some place in Malta. So we went to um, uh, an art gallery and then just like roamed around. I got a lot of ice cream, which was uh, cool. <laughs> Uh, had some oh, really good food and then, yeah so it was it was nice but while I was there I was trying to remember like how many times have I been and I was like oh I've been three times and I was like no I think it's four I've missed the whole uh <laughs> I've missed the whole trip I don't know what what happened and I guess it's the same with like you you do them enough and then they start to blur or maybe just my memory is is terrible but yeah so we're gonna say five you say five <laughs> yeah yeah five I think five can't quite remember, but five. <laughs> yeah, and like as a as a creator, comic creator, you know, one of the the stereotypes, which is interesting, is um, artists. You mentioned like you know, solitary work and that feeling of like anxiety when you go to a a big event. Is that something that hits you? Is it something you've had to deal with, like with such a big event? Do you know? I think being as the group is the easier way of doing it. Safety and numbers. I've never that's what the elephants yeah. do. So I'm not I've never tabled myself at Thought Bubble because I only have two books that represent my name. Right? Those books took a long time to make and I'm hoping, you know, I, it, my pattern it seems to be one book every two years, so I'm due one next year, so keep an eye out for that. <laughs> but I simply just don't have enough material at the moment to feel comfortable that I would be able to fill a table for myself and sell for the okay. whole weekend. You print loads of copies, right? Up, up <laughs> yeah, make a stack of them. Um, but also, it's Twice. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it 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 is terrifying, and you I find think it terrifying. I think so. I think, but I also very very much enjoy being behind the whip table because it's so much easier to sell other people's work that you believe in than your own. Or at least I think I feel that the way and I've heard other creators feel that way. They must exist, but I don't hear very many creators saying my work is the best. I it's think I best, should yeah. charge yeah, yeah. X amount. 
they do it they must exist and Somewhere. some creators are yeah some creators are really good with knowing what they're worth but there's a percentage of people that really kind of worry about it and kind of just don't know how to sell their own work as in how much do i co- how much do i price this comic is it too much? Am I underselling myself? Oh, it's never too Does much. Does anyone it's, care? It's, I've, now, I've not met a creator that charges too much for their work. So, but I know people who have gone to the festival, Thought Bubble Festival, but I think it is the same. I know it is the same when people have spoken about other, even smaller festivals and tabling on their own. It's daunting because you are representing yourself and your art. And especially that first time, it is if somebody walks up to your table, picks up the book, puts it down and walks away. It's a form of you take rejection. It really yeah, yeah, you take, take it personally. Take it personally. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, and it's true, and, it, and it's like a recurring theme as we talk to different uh, creators, the idea of like selling yourself. And I realized, I mean, yeah. like, probably deep down and, and uh, for a while, but this year in particular, that I'm not great at selling and the whole thing of like how much you charge and things like that. But you do feel that when you're at the table and so, yeah someone picks it up and you're because to you it's like oh yeah this is it they picked it up that must mean they're gonna buy it that's because that's the only reason they would come here and pick up it can't be because they're curious it can't, it can't be because they're yeah. they're waiting for their friend and they just need something to occupy their time it must be yeah. because they're gonna buy this work so when they when they put it yeah. back down and walk away it's like oh my work sucks because <laughs> 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 then you start doing that whole thing and it, is, it isn't that it's in your mind and I think mm. having the group, being behind the whip table kind of protects us from that because I get to promote my friends and yeah. I get to tell and you other can say, people. Joel's work sucks. It's not me. It's not me. <laughs> Don't look at them. But it does help that we often have a large table and we're so varied. We mm. have everything. We have your high fantasy. You, we've got your horror, like, like really deep gutting personal stories we've got everything you could want we've got little stories about geese we've got all, all kinds of stuff so the, the table itself attracts i i like to think it, it attracts browsers whether or not it right. attracts sales i can't possibly or whatever right but <laughs> it attracts people to to browse and then it helps to promote that but i think for first time like have courage and find people so it's that sense of community you'll find people who also feel like you but who may have done it a couple times and Mm. can kind of support you as you're at the festival and even sometimes i think so me having two comics is a bit of a cop-out right it is um because i know people who have gone with uh, a small amount of comics maybe one or two and then they've done prints and stickers and stuff like that and maybe they've got themselves a half table at a relatively small festival and that's a great place to, to be, you know, to, to meet people, to get experience with tabling, to get experience with the boring stuff like keeping a float of money and keeping oh, yeah. a number of your stock and all of that sort yeah. of stuff that like admin stuff. Sometimes it happens at festivals for us. It's happened before where we've been in a rush. We're so excited and we forget to keep an eye on the, the stock, you know, and what happens is that you can't remember if you've sold one you can't remember if you sold two or three of a comic because so many people pass by things happen whatever don't use like a an app you've got those yeah, paypal sum up apps in it we we do have the sum up but i think a lot of people are still using cash or at least that was the experience and sometimes we've only Not got one table. sum up and a couple Take of that people cash. 
somewhere else. No, that's really catch you. Bring it. No, you know it's interesting where because uh, I feel now I've been doing this long enough where I, I remember a time where it was only cash and that was there was no because it all these like these devices weren't like readily available and then it I got one. I think we had a PayPal one. I was like, okay, cool. We'll get a few people. So we'll catch a few people that we wouldn't otherwise. And now it's like completely flipped. It's like, it's mostly like either, yeah, credit card or debit card or whatever, or something. Now it's like people paying with their their wrist. They put a watch on on the thing or whatever it is. Yeah, it's amazing how quickly that flip has been because I remember there was a thought bubble. It must have been after the pandemic. So what's that, 2021, where a lot of people had it but it would have been the first time so what that was like two years ago and the connection in the building wasn't uh, okay effective wasn't great. enough yeah yeah so like we we sort of joked about how everyone was trying to use their new card reader for the first time and no one could really do it but then or a lot of people are having problems i should say and i don't know whether it's both the tech of the card readers and the um, building being a bit better prepared but last year no problems. I don't. I don't think I heard anybody having like a significant problem with their card reader. So yeah, that that change has been quite yeah. quick. I think. Yeah. No. And yeah. No. I guess uh, thankful for it is quite convenient. <laughs> um. So I was going to say actually because you mentioned different styles and I've seen your table and I know we've had a conversation before and I wanted to check in on this because I remember you saying that you are. I don't know if you use the word exclusively. I heard exclusively into like manga stories and and that style and like you don't particularly venture into like western comics but also yeah. Phil, you said you might try so i'm just going to check in how's that going are you still like exclusively manga have you read any western comics do you know what over the years i have <laughs> certainly branched out right and i think okay. but i still gravitate towards manga when yeah. i can I think Why over the that? last couple of years, I think it's just what I grew up, grew up in. And so it's eye-catching to me. That's it. And it's, it's more it's habit. As, it's as dumb. Yes. It's as dumb as that. I, don't, I, I think I, I, I used to believe that manga had richer stories or something. But I think over the years, I've realized that. And after reading much more than that, that actually it's, it just, it's completely broad. In in this in the sense that manga is just uh, a word for comics that have originated from Japan, perhaps if we use that, cool. and then you can still get those stories everywhere if you look for them. And I think I'm still not. It maybe tiptoes into the realm of taste because I don't necessarily gravitate towards like high fantasy or superhero genre, right? So that's not my taste. And so I think I sometimes kind of just, my eye will glaze over that and would be attractive to en- attracted to anything that's maybe a bit more manga style because I'm so familiar with reading the stories that come with that sure. art style, which I've enjoyed. So it's kind of like, I, okay. I would probably pick up on that first. Yeah. But I've, I mean, I've definitely tried. And I think recent, recent years, over the last couple of years, so I'm half Italian. And I use this to my benefit because I can read Italian comics. And when you start, don't don't get me on this rant, but when you start to when you start to understand how restrictive some of the English language publishing is, and how few comics we get that are published in English versus some of the European right. countries, 
Yes. It is maddening. So I think I've been able to buy and read comics in Italian, which aren't, you know, that they're sort of, I guess they, they count as Western style. They're not traditionally manga. Mm, close-ish. Yeah, they're definitely like, this is where it gets all a bit muddy, right? Because like... Yeah. Because I always feel like when Western, or at least my perception, Western comics is like basically UK and US and, uh, and that. And then like European has a sort of different style. And like you said, with the like translations, there's a broader uh, exposure than I think we have got here. Yeah, I think I think I've, I might, might need to check my maths. Uh, let me just, um, but I think it's like, even like the Urasawa books, I think they're like, in the English language, was, oh, I could be completely off with this. So I, it's okay. I'm, I'm we're only recording this. Yeah, we're only recording this, <laughs> but, you know, and can be pulled up. But yeah. I think because there was an exhibition at the Japan House of his of his works, right? Uh, a couple, maybe a year ago, or so a couple years ago, and it had a map of the world, and it showed the number of his comics had been published in English in each country, and it the UK, I want to say, less than ten, Italy. 10 and above, right? And so it's all of these like little things, but this has just got me, the other element of my kind of broadening my reading horizons is because I'm part of the small press scene. So you then start to explore what's the small press scene in Italy and what's the small press scene in, I don't know, Toronto, which is where um, where I went this year as well to TCAF, which is the equivalent of Thought Bubble in um, right. in Canada and we were just there as like punters but you plebs. begin to think like yeah plebs uh, you begin to think kind of what's the small what are, what are people what are the stories other people are saying and then it then it's kind of outside of everything it's, it's yeah I get that I, and that's I, I feel like that feels true and last Kryptonian in the chat has hit us with some statistics uh, so apparently one book oh, yeah. out of five sold in France is a graphic novel or manga uh, which is mad to think about but then so earlier this year I went to Angoulême yeah. the, the festival in the south of France yeah we haven't spoken about it oh have we not no okay, well, I, don't I mean, think so. we're, we're, here, we're here we're here so let's uh, <laughs> let's talk about it um, so I went there and that's where they had the uh, Junji Ito um, exhibit uh, as well which I I waited in the freezing cold I have I was going to say I've never been so cold maybe it's up there but it was worth it but then I didn't realise there's a whole creator pass system and I could have got that and then it skipped lines and I I, I waited like a pleb anyway um, <sighs> the the actual festival so for those that don't know Angoulême takes place south of France in a town called Angoulême and it takes over the town so similar to how Thought Bubble was when it was spread over Leeds is like that but more intentional if that makes sense because I feel when Thought Bubble was in Leeds it was more of a there's not one venue that can hold all these things so we're going to spread it out whereas Angoulême is like we're going to put this bit here in this part of town we're going to so it's very much planned that way. And the thing that struck me is, so there they treat comics as art. And I don't think I've been, I don't think I've been in a place that, that has felt like that. Like it was art. And what that meant is that there was a certain reverence for it. The way people, the way it was displayed, the way people were like viewing it. Um, whereas like here, and I don't know how you feel about it. So, Cause you've been to like Comic-Con here in, in London, I assume it's the same in, in the US where like it's big, these are big events and there's a lot of you know, money being exchanged, but it feels like it's 
seeing comics as a commercial vehicle to get to kids. So you'll see different people, you'll see like parents, but it's like parents bringing kids and the parents, you know, they may or may not enjoy it, but it's like, it's very much like a pop culture thing. We know that this sells for that demographic. But when I was at Angoulême, it's like, like this is art. So I'm looking around, it's like, I'm seeing different ages, but I remember seeing like, like older people and I'm looking around like, where are your children? It's like, oh no, <laughs> they've they've come because they want to see the princess yeah. art. And that was quite quite affirming in in a way. It's like, okay, cool. This is like almost like how yeah. it should be. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely something about the way that the French system works. Mm. It's a it's a mentality, that's what I mean to say. The mentality in France is that it's a like a um a really effective storytelling medium, right? So yeah. And fr- the French, the French government. I think the situation is changing for the not so good. But I think that they have, in the past, given grants to people who make comics much more, like worlds away from what's ever been given in the UK. They just take it seriously. And do you know what? Maybe we can draw some parallels to Japan, where the medium of telling stories through sequential art has been seen as like across spanning all ages spanning all genres and and just the entire population gets it and it's never seen as like a four kids thing or like that's just not part of how the culture has been everyone like grew up with comics and then found adult comics whereas i think in the uk especially i don't know there was this i think i hope but sometimes i wonder am i too deep in that i sort of i'm just sort of blinded but (laughs) I hope that like it, it's got better in the UK with the rise of small press and with the rise of like even the you got to give them credit the Marvel films helping introduce people who would have thought that comics are just for kids and maybe that has or even things like V for Vendetta yeah uh, other Watchmen the big hitters Boys. the movies no. yeah I wonder if that's helping a little bit but it's no nowhere near what France has been doing. For, yeah. for a long time and i wish i could read french because they have yeah, the most too. of everything they have the most manga i think from that urusawa exhibition i think i learned that france publishes everything everything from japan that's and really cool yeah i left because uh, i went to angoulême in 2020 so it was february 2020 ah, okay. or january february oh, wow. 2020 okay, cool. you got in yeah. there just before and, <laughs> yeah and yeah and i remember just thinking like right i'm gonna learn french because um that's the only I way I'm going like to have that. to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, and, and it's the small press as well. So I, at, at Angoulême, there were still small press creators. And you're just so interested in what people, other people are creating. And, you know, it's the opposite end of like DC, Marvel and those big publishing houses, whatever. These are people making, creating stories off their own minds and independently and then selling their wares and do you want to read this? Like, yeah, <laughs> give me. And yeah. um, stuff like that. So I think, so going back to your original question, <laughs> even with all of this, going yeah. to the festivals in France and Italy and Toronto, and I've been to Berlin, the Berlin Comic Cat is fabulous as well. Mm. I will still be drawn to manga. <laughs> like, mm. if there's a small press creator who's made a manga, that's where my eye is going immediately. <laughs> and I think that's just because it's, it's always going to be a safe, safe bet space, for me, yeah. or at least, I, yeah. Are there particular types of 
are there particular types of manga stories that you enjoy reading and then like particular types of stories that you make if they're not the same uh, answer? I've always thought it's weird. Do you know what's weird, actually? I know I, my mum. I don't know that your mum is weird. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. I need to connect. I don't know that for a fact. Yeah. <laughs> but I, my mum is doing a clear out of her house. And so what she did was she brought over a bunch of my old stuff. Right. And in this collection of old stuff is old sketch pads. Okay. And when I tell you, like drawing and drawing and drawing, if I'd had the foresight, I would have brought it on this live stream and shown everyone just manga characters. I'm drawing manga over and over and over and over. And I can't tell you when these sketch pads were from, but I think early university. So they would have just been my doodles. So I I don't know. I would have thought that maybe my creative outlet would have aligned with my favorite drawing style, which was like manga style. Like I always thought a lot of those drawings, that's why it's so fresh in my mind. A lot of the drawings that I had been doing were trying to replicate some of the sort of style of Neo Genesis Evangelion. So like the big eyes, big, like like that quite clean line, let's say clean line. And so a lot of them were that kind of style or, or nearly all of them were that kind of style, just like anime girls, anime guys in different poses, whatever, just nondescript. I think a lot of them were meant to be kind of my friends at uni or something. What turned into but, anime characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. I was that person, but <laughs> it turns out that the comics I ended up making, I don't think I can claim that they're that sort of style. Yes. There aren't any people in them. They are about inanimate objects, but I don't think it's funny how my, let's say, preferred reading. No, I don't even say preferred reading style, but something that draws my eye so so specifically is not how I also like draw. What you make. However, saying this, this is why maybe I, I need another person in the room to tell me about myself because I <laughs> like feel <a> much. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> but also, when I reflect, everything is black and white for me. Everything has screen tone where it can have. I don't abide by nine by three by nine panels. So I think a lot of my low kind of let's say like low vibe influences have come yeah. from manga. Right. And that feels really reductive as well. I don't mean that manga is just black and white screen tone sure, and sure. outside of the night. Those are like common elements of the of the medium. Yeah, and I, but I also like if you think the opposite, I know people um, well, I can think of a few examples where their first comics were of that style because that is what they grew up reading. They yeah. grew up reading more strip-based comics. And so when they thought of creating a comic, immediately it would be just like a nine, three by nine or whatever the grid is or whatever. Sure. So it must have had some kind of infiltration in there. Yeah. But at I the mean, same you, time... You have that, right? You, what you, you yeah. take in and then subconsciously, like pick out the bits that resonate with you and it it comes in yeah yeah i mean we our work is also largely black and white in terms of our comics Uh, and that was mostly because it was it was the cheap option than uh than color that's the the honest answer (laughs) when we started but it's also like a a style thing and and us wanting to uh like like stick with the manga ish style say manga ish because it's with a mix between like manga and western like uh, comics and yeah, it, it makes it it makes things stand out, uh, particularly to an audience that doesn't quite know. Uh, we have good. Uh, we actually got new business cards done, and uh, it gives a good. I don't know if, uh, 
uh, focus. I don't know how to get a focus. But anyway, we've got new business cards. And it's very striking, uh, striking there. So yeah, good. Yeah, uh, I'll be bringing these to Thought Bubble as well on the weekend. Yeah. And the other thing that you've got, you kind of touched on it uh, earlier, is that uh, you've got new work because you recently did a Kickstarter. Uh, so yes, I am very curious because I that might be my book uh, for one. <laughs> so I'm going to, have to uh, collect collect that from you over the weekend. Uh, yeah. So for the people that uh, don't know, uh, tell us what the project was on Kickstarter and where you're at with it now, because you've already had the successful campaign and now you're obviously you've got a book. So yeah, give us a yeah. bit of an overview. Yeah. So I'm glad I gave a little bit of a spiel about whip comics in the beginning. So every year for I think six years, our group has put together an anthology and it started as a single book called work where all the themes were based on work. Obviously, WIP stands for, not obviously, but WIP stands for Work in Progress Comics. So we thought it would be funny to have work, and then that was successful. So that wasn't a Kickstarter at all. That was just us getting together, putting putting ideas together. Uh, Joe Stone, the leader of, um, of WIP Comics, he curated the book and put things together and sent it off to print, and then we sold it. And uh, we sold it at Thought Bubble. And it was a great great hit so the year afterwards we did progress so we had work progress and you know it's just been really successful following years we've done uh, we did a sort of like a two a twofer a success and failure so that was like uh, 30 artists but split into two books because progress is 30 artists in one book and then we split into this um thing every year there's a theme so of course work progress success failure um, so all the themes were would have been about that. And they've pretty much all sold out. There are still a couple of progresses, if anybody fancies one. And you only do one print? Then, uh, yes, we only we only ever do one print. Oh, okay. So once they're, once they're done, there's no reprints, essentially, because we kind of want to move on to the next. That's the, okay. the sort of ethos behind it. That's not very um, capitalistic of you. No. <laughs> and all the money... So this, <laughs> this is the other thing. All the money goes... Okay, this is where it gets interesting. All the money in previous years has just gone back into the group. It helps us pay for things like tables at festivals, uh, printing costs for the year afterwards, uh, other little bits and pieces. We're not necessarily spending money on like parties or anything, although it's been suggested, <laughs> but we don't. It all <laughs> goes back into some <laughs> expenses, rent. No, no. <laughs> Everything just goes right back into the year afterwards. Um, and if I'm not wrong, then the year after that was pandemic. So unless I'm missing one, but then in the pandemic year, what we decided to do was have people make their own comics. So little A6 or A7 mini comics. And then what we did is that we put them in an envelope and put a sticker on it. And it was the lucky whip. So you had like a selection of these mini comics that, that you could then buy. So it was like an amazing opportunity for people to physically make their own comics, not just submit into a anthology it gave people this sure. sort of like actual hands-on experience which was uh, which was great and also great for the fact that we couldn't meet up and it was going to be hard to take people's comments whatever so then moving on last year we did our biggest um anthology yet it was called the whip excel and there are still a few copies actually oh, yes. as well we did it in a big uh newspaper size comic and everybody con who contributed did a single page comic so it was our first kind of not only did we have a theme but we had um 
a sort of restriction in both size and you had to make a comic in a single page, which was also really successful, sold really well uh, last year and beginning of this year. Which brings me on to our latest one. And this, so the theme of this year's was change, is change. And we've changed things up a bit. So this would be the first year where we've done a Kickstarter to try and raise the money before. And this kind of helps with how expensive the large Excel was last year. Because there were printing, basically a lot of things happened last year, which meant that printing costs went up and we spent a little bit more than we usually, but that was actually quoted us in January last year when we came to print. It was quite a lot extra. So fronting the cash up this time round has really helped manage because nobody's, this is nobody's job. We're doing everything, volunteers. A lot of the money comes out of Joe Stone's account to front up and then he recruits the the money later so this gave us all the opportunity to be able to contribute into something that already had money behind it so we launched the kickstarter in one of the august july august this year july. and it was yeah mid-july oh yeah that. it ended in august <laughs> <laughs> why i know that more than you but <laughs> and as you can see it was a great Done. success yeah. It's done. So we have one, two, three, four, I think it's over 40 contributors. So it is our biggest. It's our biggest baby yet. Contributors contribute between one and four pages. That's why it's almost 180 pages long. And it will be going on general sale at Thought Bubble and then it will be online for sale after Thought Bubble. So we want to give people at Thought Bubble the first opportunity to buy one. And yeah, so I've got I've contributed into every one. To be honest, this was the first one where I really truly considered not contributing. And it was because I didn't I didn't resonate with the theme. Other years change. I've really going through change. Yeah. Everyone's going through change. Change is a constant. I know. <laughs> I think I think I I really it's that funny thing, right? I just couldn't think of a good idea. Okay, I couldn't think I of something you. that wasn't a cliche. Right. I, I just I played around with ideas and nothing was sticking. And I, it was, I, I thought to myself, like, shall I just not bother? But of course, the best thing about contributing to an anthology is it gives, especially if you're in a bit of a rut, a themed anthology I've personally found, I think last year, not to be a bit woo-woo about it, but I think last year it actually really healed some of like the, the burnout that I'd had from doing my comic the year before. Yeah, I remember. I was still suffering. Yeah, I was still suffering a little bit from, let's say, creator burnout, which is such a weird thing. And I've made two comics, right? So I can't talk too much, (laughs) right? Chill out. (laughs) You got all two years in between. (laughs) (laughs) But I personally, so my comic, Who Can Replace a Man, it was a big dream come true. I was like really chuffed with it. Had, you know, had the licensing from the owners um, of the estate, the oldest estate. So. I was really like high on like, and it sold really well. And then I just felt like, I don't know. Like I just didn't have the energy to create another idea. That's the only way I can describe it. So then doing the anthology last year helped to like, it's a really simple, I had a really simple, stupid idea. I remember I was doing it laughing because my own idea made me laugh. So that's how <laughs> you sign. know, like yeah, yeah. no one else laughed, just me. <laughs> no but i think so contributing to an anthology no matter if you just big or small it helps to really like push creative and i do feel a bit more like oh actually maybe i should 
feel like I can take ideas. it somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And no, I, I, feel, I feel that. And I think other people have said the same kind of thing. Like it, a lot of just if you have a constraint, one, two, three, four pages, it's not going to take a long time. And it helps the creativity get back, especially if you found a bit of a, like a, a low. Sure. helps to just like push something out. Yeah, no, like constraints, I think for like, there's always that cons- um, perception that like constraints are bad and I just want like complete freedom, but sometimes constraints will like narrow focus and get you uh, yes. to be more creative yeah. within those boundaries. So I, I get that. And yeah, you did like really well with the, the Kickstarter and because your first yeah. campaign, at least as a as a group, right? And yeah, I guess you had the kind of what you were saying earlier about the sort of safety in numbers or the advantages of the numbers of the I imagine that's like a larger network because the whole idea of a Kickstarter campaign is you've you've got to reach people, you've got to go out and, and get people to yeah. be aware of it over those 30 days. Yeah. Well, we definitely set a high benchmark. So we, I was, um, no, you know, Nigel, but this is so stressful. If you do a Kickstarter workshop, I reckon lesson number one should be prepare for stress, right? Yeah. So, we this is not only is it our biggest in page number but it's also the most prints we've ever done so i think there are 250 prints of these books and that's part of the reason is because we give every contributor a free copy so that's 50 gone because there are about 50 contributors 50 50 there are 50 contributors in here so that's 50 gone i think we set the kickstarter to be able to sell 100 and then we want to sell more to Thought Bubble and stuff like that. Is that right? Yeah, that must be right. So we have about just, okay, this is under 50. I'm getting all my numbers wrong. I think there are about <laughs> 45 or about between 40, let's say 40 and 50 of this. I'm getting my yeah. numbers wrong. But then we wanted to have some left over, but we've never printed 250 books before, right? And not only that, but we did a bit of a gag. So our first here was the change book. Right. So this was our contributed um, thing. If we broke the next tier up, we would do a like a bonus book, which is an ongoing joke in our group that we did work and we did progress. So people have been shouting for the anthology, right? Work in progress. We've done work, oh, okay. we've done progress. Yeah. Yeah. People thought but we should do it. did cross my in. mind when you, yeah. <laughs> so the next tier up was an anthology, and that's another. 10 i want to say 10 creators or so uh it could be more than that, actually i can't can't quite remember but there there is there's other creators in that and that's just for people on kickstarter so they're not available to buy and so we've printed a bunch of those out as well so not only is this this is not the only book we've created as part of this whole project we've also got the anthology that goes to the, the backers and yeah so it was it's a huge job but it's for want of a better word popped off Everything has been successful. Everything was delivered. We have we had a little bit of a problem with the first print, so we got a proof, which I think was a really wise idea of Joe because we're doing such a large order. Mm. So it's, yeah, it was two hundred and fifty books, such a large order that he wanted to check, and he was right too because there were a few little printing errors and stuff. But okay, yeah. So it's it's done. It's out here. Yeah, and after it's we're going to see how cool. it's available. Um, it will. We're hoping to sell at Thought Bubble on the table and we're going to sell it for £15, but we're probably going to do bundles. So I think the trying to bundle up some of the remaining Whip Excels and some of the progress, so the bigger books of ours, they're still available. But of course, everything was also always available online for PDF. 
so that somewhere somewhere people can get comics as well. All that's it. When when no no any of the whip anthologies that have been printed will not be going to print again, but they're all available online. Oh, so they are okay. like yeah. So they are ex- yeah. So the 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 work, even the lucky whip and the XLs, they're all available as as digital prints as well. So yeah, and I feel like you've you've started something that you can now continue with the, the Kickstarter and because where I'm yeah. like taking taking notes, so I have to come back and pick your brain because it's been a while since <laughs> we did a Kickstarter and I always feel I always feel like I'm starting again with Kickstarter. So so we're working on a series we're gonna call Origins. And the idea is like our team, we've turned them into anthropomorphic characters in the universe and then we're gonna make a story about how they got to the universe but the idea with this is it's about the personal journey so i mean all our stories have some kind of theme like underlying theme there but for this one in particular it's a bit more personal in terms of like for that individual what matters to them and how can we represent that in oh, a story wow. to tie it to the mm-hmm. my matter universe so this oh is tazzy um so you've you've met tazzy you know because you've been on our yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. as well and she's great um so she's the first one we're starting with and because tazzy's thing is about like being a performer and like she's a content creator and, and a host and but then having that creative journey sort of downplayed by society or uh school or whatever it might be so then we've got this story called against all odds and it's about a uh, i'm calling it like a reflective journey because the the format is a bit different i'm actually it's the first time i've mentioned <laughs> this but the format is like kind of looking back so she's at a, the moment that she's dreamed for in a sense and she's kind of looking back how she got there and, and the idea is it hopefully resonates with those people that are on a similar creative journey because if you've been on, mm. on that and i guess you know you you know it's like it's uh get a proper job or you know this thing you're doing you've started it and you're it's not going so well that means you're bad at it so why are you doing it and all, all those things and try to put that into into a story that yeah can hopefully resonates it, it relates to to tazzy to uh, people go through similar journeys and then it will be like the first of uh, what will hopefully be an ongoing series so like my character is going to have something um and then um awesome. yeah, i was gonna else. ask if you were gonna be a character in this because i think it's quite interesting yeah that so my you... character's actually yeah, just also... there for the i'm pointing to the overlay ah That's okay I'm gonna have to look really and then penali our artist so. fabulous <laughs> This. but yeah um, so I've, I've got a story well i'm gonna have a story i don't know exactly what it is yet oh my god i'm so excited <laughs> <laughs> this is really, that's, that's, that so, sounds really cool and i wonder as well like how personal are you gonna make it are you um, are you still keeping it quite light or are you going to like go into some of the you know challenges or that's a good question i feel like now this is uh the roles have been reversed now i'm being asked the question so <laughs> i want to know yeah i want to know so i think it's going to be Quite personal. So, for example, uh, I'm giving spoilers to the story now, but like, so for example, like Tazzy's Tazzy's mum is a big supporter in her journey. So, her mum will feature in the story, but then Amazing. a lot of the story and and the way the the flow. And I can say it's technically not a spoiler because I haven't actually finished writing it. But the way it's going to go is there's going to be a, a lot of negativity in it. So actually, it's, it's going to be quite a like a hit and a hit okay. and a hit until like because she's, she's gonna have to go through things to get to where she was uh where she yeah. is so i okay. think it, it's yeah, important yeah. to make it like like realistic personal but then keeping it hopeful similar to when we did our, our last story series through the fog 
which is about like a pandemic situation, you know, yeah. like that. So that was like a, a hard thing because I was like, you know, Blake and his team and started this business and a pandemic comes, wipes yeah. that all away. What do you do? There's yeah. like hope, but then it's about how do you get to that? This will be a, not it's a completely different story, but a similar flow in terms of like really getting to a personal aspect of it, but then hopefully bringing a, a, a hopeful uh, end to it. And then I think the other stories will be similar because the ending of all the stories is they get to the My Matter universe. So yeah. they're all going <laughs> to end, end pretty well. But yeah, so can I ask um, one more question? How many are there going to be? How many are you thinking altogether? So Tazzy, I don't know who's going to be next, but Penali spoken to Penali Penali about what her story, my story, Lau, um, even though he's technically not part of the business anymore, but he's still co-founder and he has a character. Gina, uh, we just made a character of uh, Gina, who I don't think you've met, but uh, she's part well, of the team maybe. as well. Uh, and then our friend Lara Lee, who's been a big part of the, uh, the brand. I've met Lara Lee. Yeah, particularly yeah. in early, earlier days, she's got a character as well. So the six there, I think that, I think that would be the six. Yeah, I think that would be the six, and we'll we'll run with that and see how it goes. Will it be part of one like uh, volume, or is it going to be separate stories? Oh, haven't thought that far ahead. So they're going to be separate stories. I, I think this will <laughs> this will take a while because we'll have yeah. Because we'll have the like the regular releases, so we're also in the background working on Eleventh Hour, which is another like this. That will be a larger graphic novel, and then you know another uh, Samurai Chef story, another the Volume Two of Hot Lunch, the Volume Two of Serious, and and that. So there'll be other releases. So I think it will realistically it will take a while until I can get uh, my team of writers, and then I can play the <laughs> Kevin Feige role. But yeah, <laughs> not not quite there yet. So. Yeah, so it'll take a while. So, but I think at okay, some yeah. point it will make then make sense to put them all together. But that'll be yeah. I, I don't even know how long that. Okay. I'll, I'll have I'm, more I'm gray, thinking gray too hairs. far ahead. Yeah, I have more grey hairs <laughs> in my beard by the time that that comes around. So, um, but yeah, that's the plan. So yeah, it's just about putting it together and then hopefully getting enough people to to jump on it. So um, look out for that. Yeah, I will look out for that. But I also think for Whip Anthology, it was so. I absolutely understand why the it's like the worst form of job application. It's just like so stressful in mount like all of the work that goes in to present the Kickstarter. I can't say for sure whether WIP will do it next year. There's a there's a there is a scenario in which we just go back to the normal way. Because so it's easier in some way. It's easier in some ways. And I think the I mean, it was great. We had great um, contributors. We overdid our budget. We only had three tiers. One was the book. One was the anthology. I think there was another tier between that, or like special art tiers. You know, you can be drawn in. You kept it simple, which is a good, good approach. Yes. And then the top tier was was just or like uh, once we hit our top mark. That's what I mean. Once we hit our top amount, anything above that would we would be repaying the artists. Because everyone has done everything for free. And then there's nothing else for us to gain other than what all artists should ask for, which is to be it's paid. Nice. Right. <laughs> so like and that was that was it. But it means that we won't have any money for the group. So we will be back to, back to like we, we won't have yes, we will start as we did kind of in the middle of the year it's a bit weird to think about maybe on the abstract but like 
we'll basically we'll have zero funds for next year's comic. So either we do a Kickstarter again, or we do the traditional route where we all just front or Joe fronts the money up front and we recoup it back. But hold this space. I will say so. I guess so. My I guess advice from what I didn't do because we did our first comic, uh, Samurai Chef, was done through. Well, technically Indiegogo, and then we did the second part on Kickstarter, but so it was crowdfunded. So we did that, and and that got us on our way. But then for the next one, we didn't do a Kickstarter because we didn't need the money. I mean, we uh, we always need the money. We didn't we didn't need the money to make the book, so that came through the business. But then what happened yeah. is um, we lost momentum. And what I didn't realize yeah, before is that the Kickstarter is not just about the money. That's obviously important. You need that to make it happen. But it's about the community that you build that invested in your work and it's almost like a compounding thing or at least from what i've seen from other people it's a compounding thing where you you build momentum and for us it's always been a kind of stop start stop start so i always feel like we're starting again even with this one we don't need a huge amount of money for it but i still feel it's like oh is there anyone out there who's gonna be interested in this because we're starting again because it's been such a long while so i would yeah. say to you think about using it as a build momentum thing so that when you when you yeah. do need it then it's like you've got that and you know what? That is such good advice. It's so such frustrating advice for people who are starting <laughs> out. And I sometimes think, let's say, I don't want to say what I'm about to say really, but our least successful, let's say our least commercially successful book was the one we did second. So we had work, which we only did 100 copies, sold out. And then Progress was a bigger book. I think we may have done more copies, but I think we went too big and we didn't have the consistency behind us to support and have, okay, we didn't have backers. That wasn't a, that wasn't a Kickstarter, sure. but it was kind of like we didn't have enough clout or we didn't have yeah. enough history to have built that, that momentum. Maybe partly the reason why this, the, this Kickstarter was great for so many reasons. We did a lot of work prior to it. We have a great network. So there's a lot of things in our favor. But we also have the we've had the consistency over the last six years. And I wonder, you know, if we did a Kickstarter next year, that can only support us more. Or, you know, and if we don't do one next year, but we tried to do one the year after, would we have lost something? Yeah. So I think that's really good advice. And it might play a lot of into whether or not we do another Kickstarter. But right now, like, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's, <laughs> I feel you. it's just it's a soon. lot. It's a lot. We still got like 15 boxes in. Yeah over there so i totally get that you're still still in that in that um yeah post campaign (laughs) stage so yeah just enjoy that and i guess we're almost at the end of this uh interview so we'll have to continue that thought bubble i mean people won't see it but uh you know you just believe it happened but before (laughs) we end uh so i like to do this thing so everything up to now you'll be familiar with but this i started adding on maybe like episode four or five uh it's a bonus round and it's a quick fire set of questions that i like asking people so i'm going to throw them at you and uh it seems Get like ready. you're ready for it all right cool Put my hair ready okay so the way this came about is um, just thinking about stories and stories like how storytelling maps to life and I found there's a lot of similarities of how you think about stories, how you put together uh, stories. So, for example, we, we're all like the lead character in our own story. So we're all like the protagonist. So the first question is, as the protagonist of your story, what would you say are your standout characteristics and personalities? Um, 
<laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not quick fire. I should have said before I'm terrible at quick fire games. I did say quick ish. I'm, right. <laughs> I'm a crowd person. Maybe that's We're wrong. A crowd person. I like I like people. I'm not oh. I'm, I'm an extra I'm an extrovert. extrovert. That's what I should oh, say. Okay. I really I think I get my energy from being with people. Communities, yep. chat. I get tired of people, right? Me but too. I think I I shrivel if I am in an environment where I can't talk to people or like where people aren't really interactive or I'm in my I'm by myself too long. I go a bit weird. So I think that would be my character trait. I just love being out and about. And I say crowds because I think I don't mean a crowd crowd, but I I like being in a coffee shop. Other humans and that are around. Uh, yeah. 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 I get that. Okay. that. Did that answer your question or did that confuse things? Yeah, yeah. I mean it's, it's your it's your story we're building. So yeah, we've got that got that picture, okay. extrovert uh, protagonist. Mm-hmm. And then in, in the story, uh, I feel any any well most stories, not every story, but there tends to be some kind of antagonist or forces of antagonism uh, that the protagonist has to overcome. So what would you say in, in your story? What is your main challenge and how do you work to overcome it? I've got an answer, quick answer to this. <laughs> okay. So I work, my day job, I like to refer to them as my largest financial donor because <laughs> they restrict me from my creative pursuits, but they also fund my creative right. pursuits yep. I like that. by giving I like me that. a nine to five payment check, right? Yeah, I remember but it's those. The time, those. Yeah, but it's the time that they take. So I don't want to say my employer is my... Uh, antagonist <laughs> but it mm, i don't know how to pose this because they're not because they also pay my bills yeah right but I, but it's the, the idea of kind of like i think it's okay let's strip it back the pursuit of money versus the pursuit of creativity that is the real antagonist right the fact that i have to choose to work in an industry which i think is interesting i won't go too much into it on this call but like I'm happy with the industry I'm in, but it's not a creative industry at all. And it's very computer-based, kind of like planning, strategy. It's not, there are creative elements to it, maybe, but I want to draw, there are creative outlets that I just cannot do because I'm having to work for a company 40 hours a week. So my antagonist is the pursuit of money versus the pursuit of creativity. Okay, all right. I like this uh, kind of inner conflict thing that's that's going on. With inner conflict. Story. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. All right. So we've got like the uh, antagonist. So on the journey tends to be some supporting characters uh, that that help uh, along the way. So who would you say are the biggest supporting characters on your journey? I'm gonna call out the whip group. All of them. I think Joe Stein, who's also my boyfriend. He if he gets top billing because in the group we call him our supreme leader, but. Uh, and that's the joke cloak? that started. He would. Okay. He if he starts wearing a cloak, anything. I'd be worried. But Sus. But I think yeah. So he heads up the group, and but I think it's the community, just in general. They make they make making comics easier for me because I want to. They keep me accountable. They allow me to bounce ideas. You know, they are there. They're doing it as well. They know the frustrations. They know they can talk to so uh, yeah i'd say the whip group big big army big army of supporters the army yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) okay all right all right cool and then the last question is 
And I might have to rephrase it because it sounds morbid, but where does your journey end? I'm gonna definitely going to rephrase that next time. But for any protagonist in the story, I feel like they're going for some kind of goal, so that they're striving for something. So then in your story, what does success look like to you? I've got it. So given this is my story and I can make up what I want, right? Yep, it's your story. I'm going to say that one of my creative pursuits makes me more money than my current largest financial donor and so i get like a movie deal is that but maybe i don't like this idea of money i don't want it to be that i don't want it to well, just it's not, be money it's, not, it's, I, it's, I, it's, it's the position right it's the it's because often like it's when people say money it's not money for the sake of it i mean i'm sure there are people that are just like literally like i like looking at money but it's what it then allows whoever it allows like financial freedom allows you to do your creative things so it's not money itself so it might be yes, that. exactly that. So if my creative pursuit, so say one of my comics gets a movie yeah. deal and I'm set, and then maybe I don't need to have millions and millions, but I have like, let's just say a salary's worth <laughs> of, I don't know, royalties sure. that comes in every, every year, helps, just allows me to live a consistent life. And then I can just go about doing my creative pursuit. That's, that's, I think that would be the ultimate goal. I want someone to pick up on like Reapers, although I have to finish it if I'm finished. So <laughs> something like that. Okay. Be... Creative freedom. Yeah, creative freedom. Or maybe if my current employer decided to maybe pay me the same, yeah, but I only work <laughs> once once a week. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, if you can, yeah. if you can negotiate that deal, you should run seminars and. <laughs> Maybe mm-hmm. the same amount yeah. for a fifth of the work. So cool. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a good, that would be a good, good ending. So uh, I like this story. This is an interesting <laughs> story we painted. And uh, that brings us to the end of this interview, this conversation. Thank you very much for playing along with that bonus round as well. So, and yeah, just for joining, getting things started. You are patient zero in casual conversations <laughs> with comic creators and 19 as well. So you've got two numbers. And 19. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, maybe go with 19. That, that sounds, that's got better connotations. But yeah, thank you, Lara, for joining me. Thank you. Cool. And uh, we've reached the end of another Casual Conversations with comic creators. Before we end this live stream, I do have to give a quick shout out to the Pro Gamers Group UK, who have given us a bunch of stuff. So we'd like to thank them for their support. Um, in providing equipment, including Streamify, Streamify lighting. Try saying that three times fast. Um, so that's how I'm lit. There's some lights going on uh, in there. Uh, some mics and uh, nitro concept chairs, which is this thing that I'm sitting on. And uh, this is a good chair, by the way. I'm not just saying that because they gave it to me. I um, I had a gaming chair before. I'm not going to say which brand. I thought it was a chair. I, it actually turns out it was a trash can. I was sitting on a trash can <laughs> and I did not know it. This is a chair. This actually feels good. Uh, so thank you for that. So uh, we've been using the equipment for our live streams, obviously, for our workshops as well, and as part of our Do I Look Like a Gamer video game diversity campaign. So their contribution helps us create better experiences for our community, and we are excited to be working with them as we continue pushing for diversity and inclusion in the games industry and creative industries uh, in general and introducing aspiring creatives to the world content creation so thank you very much as for us um you can find us online i've put both my matter um, and lara's details in the overlays 
So you can find us, MyMatter TV on Instagram, uh, MyMatter on Twitter, and Kalag docu- Documentary, right? Documentality. Documentality, that's yes, right. name. <laughs> on, on Instagram and in Whip Comics uh, as well on both Twitter. Yeah. And um, I say Twitter, X, yeah, you know what I mean, um, as well. So you can find us there. But um, other than that, we do a lot of talking. So this live stream is part of our monthly series of live streams. So we have casual conversations com- with comic creators. But later in the month, towards the end of the month, yeah, sure, you can show that while I uh, do that promo, while I talk. So you, we can find us playing games as well so we have our games nights usually at the end of the month so this month is going to be the 24th of november we'll be playing fish bash bots which is a tower defense game that just came out last month so we're going to be doing that and then we also have our podcast so we talk about stories across pop culture myself and Tazzy as well we have an episode that's going to come out tomorrow uh once i finish editing so that's a note um where we talked about parasite which is an amazing uh piece of work so we did a deep dive on that so look out for that and yeah that is us this has been another episode of casual conversations i think we're going to both go and pack for thought bubble but yep. we will see you all again next month take care everyone <laughs>